Welcome to the Ole Law Podcast. This is a weekly podcast that discusses, among other issues, technology, the internet, social media, privacy, data protection, and cyber crimes, how they interact with us, and how they interact with the law. I'm your host, and my name is Mugambi Laibuta. This week, I have another guest, Johnson Derry, who is a finance and economic analyst. In celebrating or having the 10th anniversary of our constitution, one of the chapters that has not really been discussed on how it has been implemented is chapter 12 of the constitution on public finance and we have mr nderi here to break it down to us about what does he feel about 10 years of the constitution having chapter 12 have we done the right thing have we done the wrong thing are there bits that need amendment and his general overview about it karibu bonanderi thank you thank you buona laibuta it's a pleasure to be here mr nderi yes sir your thoughts on the constitution 2010 so far what do you think generally speaking i think we got some things right we got some things wrong one of the areas that I think we got very, very right, um, and unfortunately it has not been captured as explicitly as one of the principles, is the separation of powers. Uh, separation of powers is um, what allows us to enjoy our liberties. Uh, it is what allows us to, you know, hold the people in power accountable, and it's what it it, it offers the guardrails for purposes of, you know, power distribution and power application. And uh, I want to draw a, a, a distinction between authority and power. We we think you typically that the English language will be sufficient guardrails for the exercise of power in the country, but uh, in practice that is usually not the case. So we have to think that if we wanted to limit authority, we should also think that power could exceed authority. So the question is, how then do we limit power within its uh, reasonable use? Actually, actually, as you say that, last week um, I was in this webinar and Professor Githu Muigai talked about this concept of having a constitution with capital C and a constitution with a small c. The, the text is the constitution with a capital C, which lays down the rule of law, the limits of power, constitutionalism. And I think what you're talking about, power is the small c. Exactly. The people who wield the power and decide how the text is going to be implemented or how the text is going to work. Indeed, that is, that is, that is, that is uh, one of the aspects that I think the draft of the constitution may uh, have, have, you know, overlooked uh, in, in certain regards. But I, 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 I think in in this in in introducing the concept of uh, separation of powers that that helped the what you would call constitution of the small c or constitutionalism be be you know introduced into our constitution. Generally speaking, let's go to chapter twelve. Okay, before chapter twelve, in um, in twenty thirteen, I, I wrote this article and. I said one of the challenges we have in uh, drafting or coming up with the constitutions around the world is that we never cost it because I strongly believe that for planning purposes because of course there are people who say you can't cost development but I say development has a cost you can't say you can't cost it so my argument was that while people are drafting the constitution while the draft is in place there should be other people now whether economists accountants etc who now should come up with an implementation framework that has a cost to it indeed uh, and and the costs it's not just what the cost is but who meets it mm-hmm. because that needs to be captured uh, very well i mean uh, they, there's there's every reason to believe if, if the entire idea of a state is to have people uh, being able to take care and fend for themselves and i usually have a, f- a phrase that i usually say that if you're not very careful you you can you can tend to you know well let me let me just state the phrase and i usually tell guys uh, depending which country you are in you can either be working for a living or you could be voting for a living 
<laughs> what, do, what do you mean? <laughs> so, so the in, the ideal state is people who work for a living. Yeah, because then if everybody is taking care of themselves, then um, you know we can all live in harmony. You know, you 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 produce what you produce. I produce what I produce. Somebody else will produce what they are producing, and we can exchange. And that's how society works. And we all you know uh, living in 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 in, in utopia. Obviously, that's not the case uh, naturally. So you tend to give, you know, uh, caveats where so some people should be taking care of others. Well, in history, historically, um, uh, people like saying this is an African thing, but I think it's a global thing. Families have taken care of their taken care of their own um, through. Th- uh, through religion or other social institutions, communities have taken care of their own as well. So are you in essence saying that uh, we should not be bothered about the cost? I mean, ideally within our system, we, we don't really look at the cost of development or the cost of, um, I mean, we come up with uh, we come up with a very good constitution. Right. It's been called a liberal constitution. It's right. been called a progressive constitution. I mean, countries like the Gambia have actually <laughs> almost uh, copied a lot of what, um, of, of, of what we have. But to what extent will costing? I mean, like, look, look. Let's look at the cost of implementation. Right. In your view, was it worth it? I was trying to get to that because the first thing is question. The first question you are asking is who is bearing the cost, right? So if you have a, a minority bearing the cost, so that you have, I mean, the the incentive is if I can vote for a living, why should I work for a living? So if I can, if I can vote, if I can, if I if I can get my MP to vote uh, more shillings through my people and myself, generally speaking, then why do I need to work harder? Why do I need to... So that's one of the areas. And that's one of the uh, concerns of economics anyway. It's the issue is, I mean, consumption, anybody can consume, but the question in, in economics is who produces and how is production done? And how do you get resources to where they are most productive? And uh, how do you incentivize people to produce, you understand? But but you see that argument, <laughs> okay, when we look at that argument, eh, in this uh, debate on the revenue sharing, right. there are people who argue that there are regions that produce more and they should get more. Yes. But when you look at the constitution, the constitution talks about dealing with issues of historical marginalization, areas that historically have not produced uh, than other areas. Right. So, so, so using an argument, will that mean that uh, for us, you know, when we are drafting the constitution, we are thinking... You know, a long time ago, people would say, if you're in certain areas, people would say, ah, Umetoka, Kenya, you're from Kenya. <laughs> <laughs> because there, there were no roads, there were no schools. To get there, it took days and days on end right. on, 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 on bad roads. So what do we do with these individuals or communities that really, ideally, they produce things, but historically, the, what they produce has not been allowed to get into the market because of how the system has really oppressed their form of bringing this produce into the market. So those are the things uh, I think uh, are the things that keep uh, economists awake. Because then we know we know, like for example, um, northeastern produce. I mean. Yes, the, they do. The yeah. Beef and whatnot. And who knows what else they'll be able to produce that they're not allowed to. However, one of the aspects of, of development that we usually paper over is the concept of urbanization. So what happens in urbanization? Nairobi today, Nairobi in 1900 was the home for Maasai, Kikuyu, and Kamba. It is a home for everybody. And that's what urbanization does. Because, um, and I think uh, Adam Smith uh, brings it out very well. The urban centers, it's where there's most opportunity and that's where most production uh, occurs um, or at least value addition. Production can come from anywhere but the, where, where, where development uh, really takes off and, and if you can look at it historically is in the urban centers because that's where the factories are, that's where the, you know, 
So I mean, that's where infrastructure targets in terms of uh, making it easier for people to get into production. Uh, there's a whole other topic. It's a whole other topic to do to talk about uh, infrastructure and how it should be built and whatnot. But the important thing here is to make sure that uh, you're not punishing the producers and rewarding the consumers because then you'll have more consumers and fewer producers. Yeah. So you have got to ma- put that at the back. Will, will, will that explain why perhaps we've not reached what we call a manufacturing? I mean, we've always been Kenya to be an industrialized state. Yes. This is a debate that started even with um, with the sessional papers in, <laughs> in exactly. the 60s. So could, could that be a contributing factor as where we are not there? It's not just a contributing factor. It's one of the primary factors. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because because how do you how do you uh, mobilize resources towards production when the resources are being consumed? You understand? Yes. Resource allocation is uh, one of the biggest issues in economics. Different uh, economic theories have different uh, ideas on on how that happens. L- let's look at I know I brought this uh, earlier. The issue of the revenue formula. Yes. How, how how would we conceptualize it to solve uh, some of these dilemmas that we have? Because we've talked about, uh, and you've mentioned, of course, which I agree, that uh, we have communities like in the north that produce yes. uh, camels, milk, beef, mutton, etc. But because of how the colonial state was structured and how the colonial state was um, was inherited, indeed. They never got this, what you're talking about, the incentives or the system to, to put in place uh, industries, to put in place infrastructure where they will get their produce, get value addition and get uh, income from that. Right. And so on this debate of revenue allocation, how, how, how will that be solved in, in your view within an economic sense? W- what are some of the factors are we not seeing or are, are, um, are the senators avoiding to implement to solve this uh, impasse? So there are two ways resources are distributed uh, 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 resources are allocated in an economy number one you can do it via the state and through politics number two you can do via the market right and that's in the private sector so let's 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 pick out one sector the power sector right before we had the power sector fully government owned it was a government that said where and how power is produced right what are, what the, and and where the power is targeted towards so it was a politician who determined look we're going to put 10 megawatts primarily um, hydro- hydroelectric production and it's and you're going to produce power the power is going to be consumed in Nairobi so if you want if you are to to set up a factory the only place you could set it up was in Nairobi yeah. and that's not because of economic decisions that's because of political decisions it's easier to do it production is probably better done at coastal cities if you look at or or cities with uh, near large water masses and if you look at where product, uh, manufacturing cities are globally, you'll find a lot of them are set up that way. But here it's politicians who are saying power will be in Nairobi because production will be done in Nairobi. Okay, fine. But come 2003, Kibaki tweaks it and now private pi- private entities can now produce power. So where, what happens? Then now you can do geothermal in, 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 in Naivasha, for example. You can do... Um, um, what else? Uh, the, the, thermal, the thermal power came in to bridge the gap because we were, I mean, we were, there was a serious yeah, power I mean, deficit. I mean, even like in tea, tea and coffee factories around different regions of Kenya are producing their own power. Now. Now, yes. Yes. Now, uh, production is a little bit more determined now by economic factors as opposed to political factors. And that's the difference. So are, are you saying we are, we are thinking about the revenue politically instead of economically? Yes. Is, is, that, is, that, get, is yeah. that what I'm getting you to say? Yes. So it's now, poli- you're, 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 you're saying where politicians should be taking. So if you're, if you're, if you're doing roads. Roads are supposed to be links economically, 
Roads are supposed to be links between uh, producers and man- and consumers. In Kenya, we we imagine that we are all certainly consumers, obviously. But why are the producers? Ports the same. Airports the same. So the question is why. What what specific infrastructure do you need, say for example, in in northeastern or coast or western, for example, so that because the the, the mind of a politician is easily impressed by you know shiny things, <laughs> right? Like a kid with a shiny new toy. Yeah, yeah, because he's got no he's got no skin in the game. He's not thinking in terms of costs and benefits. He's looking at it in terms of votes. There's somebody the, in the private sector. All that is stripped out. If you're doing a power pro- product project right now you're looking at it in terms of okay who's gonna consume my power so, so in essence we are thinking about it wrong yes we're not thinking about it economically i mean and i say and you put it i mean there, there are a lot of politicians who want to be governors right. in 2022 right so they project and see i need more money for me once yes. it gets to 2022 yes but the argument i'm getting from you is that there are other economic factors for example we talk about the regions that have all these um, uh, domestic animals camels right. goats etc right. Right. and the question we should be asking is what infrastructure can we put in place in that region so that we can increase value we can have value addition right. uh, for, for these products right. and the value addition for this product goes a long way i mean it goes to the infrastructure it goes to the roads uh, it goes to the power right. the, the, there'll be jobs etc and that's what not we, we're not thinking about in terms of that right because now we're thinking in terms of what uh, we, we need to pay for healthcare we need to pay for schools and whatnot those are facilitative infrastructure they're supposed to be something that's going to pay for that infrastructure what's going to pay for it it has to be a producer. It has to be production. And, and be producers now are focused in specific areas, as you're saying. Yes. It's, it's, it's very focused in urbanized areas, cities, port kind of area. Exactly. Which is the wrong way to look at, I mean, to develop the country in, in a sense. Yeah. So, no, ultimately, uh, because we always, I mean, there's always going to be a, a resource deficit naturally uh, there are places where it makes more sense to invest than other areas always uh, either with, whether it's because of, of proximity of resources proximity of markets uh, availability of infrastructure to move things around infrastructure does help in production but there has to be a producer somewhere you're, you're bringing me to another question we've had all these projects sgr right <laughs> we 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 have uh, the northern uh, corridor right so are they solving these issues that you're talking about in your in your analysis like uh, we have we have an inland dry port that now uh, in in naivasha does this infrastructure sort the kind of issues that you're talking about not necessarily remember infrastructure is supposed to facilitate commerce so is this are this in your analysis is it is are they facilitative enough no 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 the actually making commerce more painful i mean uh because um you see infrastructure has a cost as well yes right because you've got the the what you call capex uh, that's the cost of putting it up and you've got opex the costs of running operating it. yes yeah as i speak today for example sgr the cost of running it is even i think if if i was looking at the um, management fee alone that we pay is probably more than the revenues we are making. And so that's just one aspect of the just one aspect. aspect of you don't talk about even just the cost of the cost of maintenance alone. Now so, let's so go back. Look, Do you think in, in your analysis right. does chapter twelve help us to address these issues? Is there in, when you look at chapter twelve and the and, and, and the framework, right? The way it was conceptualized, right? Was it conceptualized to deal with these problems, to make the problems worse, or to make them easier to deal with? It's in the air. It's a tool. Fiscal policy is a tool to help you develop, but a tool has to be aligned to 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 to, to for it to be useful. 
the tool exists but the tool you can use a hammer to to, to drive nails or you can use a hammer to kill people right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean if it's if it's if it's not properly set up uh, it can be a destructive tool yeah. it so so the way it's been framed is that it very the way you put you put uh, you 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 structure a government or even any any institution you're supposed to structure it in a way that even if the 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 guy at the top is a malevolent factor the the, the malevolence is limited right i mean there are checks and balances uh, uh, yeah. to it i mean there's a limit to how they can behave um, in in an in an becoming manner yes so this tool has not got is not checked that's my prim- primary concern here um i did talk about the separation of powers where does the real v- strength of a government come from from its ability to tax primary source of of, of now, power now, now talking about this the source of power right in my view right in my non-economic view i think we are borrowing too much for sgr borrowed money right. a lot of project borrowed money right and what does that mean for us uh, moving forward the incentive built in is that there's no um, well, we try to limit the, author- the authority through separation of powers, but the government can easily frustrate the the, the arms that are you know um, you know supposed to check it. By here, government, I mean the executive. The executive can easily you know of subdue the others because it can it has it is the one that been given the sole access to to funding. One of the aspects of of of, of government is that it has the capacity. Now, this this I mean theoretically speaking, it has a capacity to centralize all resources. What what is centralizing of resources meaning? It means more power. All your two authorities on the side won't uh, even if you limit it. The the you know like, I I I think it was someone who said that um, I if you give me the control of power of money, I care not who makes it its laws, because then I I can either pay somebody, I can either pay bribe you, or I can pay somebody to take care of you. Yeah. So, either so way. In, so in short, you are saying. The executive will borrow and there's really not much we are going to do about it. So long as, I mean, uh, uh, recently I said in an article that the executive has a chokehold on uh, the legislature, for example. Yes, and, and judiciary uh, as well. Yeah, essentially these are institutions that should be checking the, the spending and the borrowing powers of the, of the executive. Right. Which we are not doing. Right. So they've not done it yeah. and we've borrowed all this. Right. What does it mean for us now? So, 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 like me, does it mean th- this debt? Just break it down to us. What will happen to us in the long run? There, there are two aspects to it. Uh, number one, if you look at the Kenya National Bureau of Statistics um, um, Economic Survey, there's 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 a chapter on 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 savings. When you put, like I said, when you put up capex, you're supposed to be able to put a, a bit aside to help in 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 either funding the, the the depreciation because the capex is supposed to help in production, right? To maintain production at a certain level. That production is what gives you the standard of life you have. So the 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 the, the assets of the con- country, right? Whether in public or private, all contribute one way or another. To production, and that production is what sustains our 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 standards of living. Now, if we've spent too much, so that even the savings, I mean, because not all our assets contribute towards production at any one time, and and that's 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 normal, uh, whether in the private or pri- public sectors, because investments go bad sometimes. What are the guardrails to protect us from overinvesting? In the private sector, is the profit and loss, the the idea of profit and loss, because then. If you're making losses, you just shut everything down. In the public sector, that's not how it works. 
the more losses you make, the higher the taxes you'll pay. They're not looking to shut down KQ now. But, but, but KQ, how many, how many, how well, many losses has it made <laughs> <laughs> so far? No, I mean uh, the the current rate is you're talking about 10 billion uh, every six months, right? That's just KQ. There's KBC. There's there's sugar, and 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 those are the ones with balance sheets and income statements that we can read. Now, there are those ones with balance sheets and income statements that are not available to us. So all these are consuming resources. And then there's a the government itself which has a cost that keeps building up. So that's just one aspect. Uh, so we are, we are our, our, our assets are being consumed and we don't have enough money to sustain those assets. Then we have got the other side where we've got we borrowed to buy those assets. Yes. That borrowing has to be paid by someone. If there's not enough production to pay down that that debt and to meet the cost of management, we are we are that means we have to get resources from somewhere else to sustain that. Taxes from me and you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a hidden cost, and that's why it's it's um, you'll find that. The more the resources that are being distributed in the private sector, the more uh, allocation that is being done by the private sector, then the more uh, you typically will find the more um, su- successful the economy of that country. So, is. in essence, what you're saying, if I mean um, um, to understand from where I am, in one, we are not industrializing as we should have, which will have increased production, right, and will have able to take care of the costs of uh, these loans that we are getting right. or the deficits that we have. Right. So now we have to go back to this small portion of Kenyans right. whom we tax heavily right. and we have to tax more. Yes. So it will reach a time these people have nothing more to give to the government yes. through the heavy taxation. Right, because now and they, the debts they, have to be paid. That there is no incentive to produce. Why should they produce and then you take most of the production? Yeah. Yes. The, the, we are not thinking about the couch in this language when we talk about baking the cake versus eating the cake. Yes. That's a national a national discourse. That's yeah. that's those are the those are the terms. Sharing the national cake. Yes. We we always talk about sharing the national cake. It's as though the, 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 it's a given that the national cake will be baked. It is not. If and, the incentives don't, <laughs> if, the, if the incentives are not. Does d- do not favor baking? Why should anybody bake? Then it's essence that's why our production now is tendering. So that, that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that, that if you get, I mean, I mean that, that that's, I mean, if you ask many young guys, uh, the focus now is that if you get a good tender, then you're making it. Yeah, because it's, if you even if you look look at the language at, at political level. Um, when you're talking about uh, economic, uh, you know, uh, wealth, the welfare of the youth, for example, we are talking about it in terms of 30% of tenders. 30% of tenders to go to women. That, tenders, that's not, tenders must be paid for. Who's paying for it? Tax fair. <laughs> <laughs> so that's not true. I mean, how, how, how much uh, government spending, ideally? So, so we, um, tax revenues are about between 16 and 18%. Historically speaking, even if you, if you bring in also Kibaki's time, tax spending has been... Um, um, uh, government spending, if we tied government spending to, to, to revenues, it should be about between 16 and 20% of GDP. If you are... All you're talking about in public, the public forum, is for me to figure out how I'm going to supply government. You're talking about 20% of GDP. We are 100%. Of society is a hundred percent, and and most of the most of it is youth, right? Yeah, I mean all these all these uh, bad policies, um, it's it's the youth who are going to bear the brunt of it, right? But you're telling the, the majority of the population to figure out how to participate in twenty percent of GDP. But you see, we are told all of us are told be an entrepreneur. That, that, that's I mean that's I mean vijana jitafti kazi anzisha biashara. 
and that's there's nothing wrong with that. Being at an entrepreneur is okay because then you're you're serving society. But it's always in an enabling environment. You see, the question is: is is there an enabling environment for these entrepreneurial skills to flourish? The only entrepreneur who's being serviced in this, I mean, who's being who, who has got, a, I mean, who made get a good deal is the tenderpreneur because the entrepreneur is a guy funding the tender. So you go produce your whatever you're producing. Serikali takes from top line. 14% now uh, it used to be 16% thank god 14% and then takes from the mid because then you have to when you're paying uh, income uh, income taxes and whatnot when you're being paying your suppliers also there's taxation there then you're paying income tax and then before you distribute dividends you also pay another 5% and 15% if it's foreign owned yes what is the take home for the sub producer in fact in many cases uh, you'll find that the government with 14% uh, of the top line makes more even if that was the only tax line yes right the government will be taking home more than what the producer takes home because most of guys do about 10% of of top line as net profit margin so 14% versus 10% <laughs> you wonder okay uh, who, why, why should i get it why should i involve myself in all this so i i get you i mean um, of course the executive we, we've identified the executive as being one of the biggest challenges and the politicization of this uh, this process i mean instead of making decisions from an economic financial point of view we make it from a political uh, point of view exactly and uh, of course i said i mean every politician wants to see a shiny new toy so whether this toy is funded uh, by the state is funded by borrowing that really doesn't matter but right. at some point we will have nothing to pay uh, we will have nothing to service uh, this and then now where that's when uh, things come and uh, become a bit um, uh, difficult now right let me move to something else um, about devolution your analysis of devolution so far um, has devolution somehow sorted some of the challenges that you're talking about um, because for example we know um, there are counties that are building uh, basic roads within i mean the county grid um, roads the counties let's say like makweni they have um, they have a plant to process uh, mangoes so does devolution somehow uh, deal with the chokehold that uh, the executive has on some of these decision-making uh, processes. So what devolution does, I mean, devolution has good aspects and bad aspects. Actually, if I was asked, um, I, I would have thought a confederation makes more sense as opposed to devolution, because now confederation, you're talking about subsidiarity. So power comes from down upwards. Because even tax collection will be at at at, at yeah at, yeah. The unfortunate thing is that the way our state is structured, we didn't have that opportunity to be a confederate. Yes, but it, I, it was I, not on the table at all. In yeah. fact, in fact, even if you if if you move towards confederate, and before you get to confederations, they talk about federations. Yeah, uh, you're you're already talking about Jimbo. Majimbo already had a bad negative connotation around it, which uh, you could understand because of the rhetoric around it. And it's being brought again in terms of the regional governments. Right, it's being proposed as some perhaps a solution to devolution right for me it makes a lot of sense to go down, down down that way because whilst there's every reason to believe that initially the politicians will be thinking in terms of my people because he's looking at the vote yeah his primary concern is the vote but the thing about the federation is it's not just about votes it's about, about also about re resource mobilization if you can only take you know i agree with you in principle Right. In terms of uh, regional government, uh, confederation, federal states. Right. But what will happen? The same people now, who in the executive right. and leaders of devolution, right. will be the same people in charge of the re of uh, of the regional government. Right. And we know they are thinking. 
but will still take us back to the kind of challenges that we are facing but but here's the thing there's there's the perception when you're going in and then there's what is possible once you're in the incentive structure of a federal federal system pushes you towards production why because you're not waiting for money from the center but do you think this center will will let go of that uh, of so, that control so so that's that's a that's that's a, um, we are where we are now if we move to federation a, a, a federal system then we have moved away from central so there's not the idea of letting go has been resolved so the money now is being raised at, at federal yeah, level. You see, that's why I say I agree with you. It's yeah. just that knowing our center, so, our, so our center will never really let go, so, especially within a constitutional text. I, I, I mean, the, if, if I'm to take, history is to serve as, uh, uh, as um, you know, if, if we are to go back into history and see what the lessons are from history, right? I uh, And and if, if the stories are here are true, uh, uh, at, th- at this point I can't verify, I'm told there was a time the certain community was fully chased out of Narok. But then, uh, at some point, there was no production going on the, the quality of life i'm told fell down and and i'm told these guys were you know um, offered deals where they could come back so there are those those incentives built in into the system so uh, uh, I'm, I'm tempted to say there will be some injustices at the beginning mm-hmm. But the incentive system is so strong that it doesn't make sense to continue pursuing that thinking of line, that, that line of thinking. Why? Because you need, for for example, uh, the coast. That's a port city. Yes. Right. They draw a lot of business just from being the port. Yeah. So for let's let's say for argument's sake, they don't want to work with anybody uh, from hinterland because they're taking back what belongs to them it's it's like it's like me taking up a business and saying i don't want to sell any more to luos or to kikuyos how long will that business stand i mean it doesn't make sense <laughs> yeah yeah so i mean the incentive system is so strong that's my point the incentive on paper really i mean uh, practically in kenya i mean you know no, at the end of the day no actually mm-hmm. on on practically because on paper you can try to you know you, you they, they say you can't repeal the laws of economics all right all right i I get you um so on on the regional that i mean getting these counties together i mean four or five counties forming a region the incentives will be better in terms of production not not necessarily Mm -hmm. not necessarily um devolution as it's structured now coming back to what we are right now has it worked not as well as it might have been expected and why because the incentive system right now is to pull resources from the center and the center also because has still a, it still has a, some sort of say. What what about for example now creating a mechanism? I mean, you know, counties collect uh, collect uh, rates, collect taxes within where yeah, they yeah. yeah. There's some so there's some form of revenue that they collect, yeah. which is of course not sufficient. That's why they yes. have to get a piece uh, from, from the, the national cent- from, yeah. from from the center. Couldn't we adopt that thinking of the regionalism, federalism into the county? You can you can have a better hybrid system you can have a better hybrid system but the center that is making the decision can't be the executive and can't be a pr- um, a proxy of the cent- of the of the of the executive that we call CRA it's uh, not a proxy it's an independent it's, commission really. we would like to say it's independent but really at the end of the day now that brings me to another point sorry sorry to cut you short on that these institutions that are supposed to bring checks Right, the public audit. Right, this this revenue allocation. Right, uh, etc. In your view, they're just an appendage of the executive. The way they are functioning, in a sense, leave a lot what the constitution says, but in practicalities, 
Yes, yes. They are an extension of the um, the executive. They are an extension of the executive. Actually, in America, if the the way they dealt with it is that um, they never everything they they, they have they so they uh, probably have come across this term the unitary executive authority. And the reason for that is to make everybody. I mean. Um, you make the executive answerable to the decisions of this because ultimately you're just accepting what is it's the executive the only way it becomes not part of the executive is if it's either part of the judiciary or if it's part of the legislature that's the only way it becomes uh, different so if audit for my in my view if audit was a a, a function of legislature which it ought ought to be like in a, in private sector, who audits the, the 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 company? It's the board. It's the board that audits the company. Uh, well, you can actually even go further and say it's ex- shareholders who audit the company because it's it's the board who represent the shareholders that audit it. Management. If you make audit a function of management, the shareholders will never figure out what's going on. So if you make audit as fu- part of the of the executive. Right, but you see, we call them independent offices and commission. We, we, we lie to ourselves a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so looking forward, right? Looking forward. I mean, uh, I really get it's it's a very interesting conversation as we shed light within uh, a financial economic uh, aspect. Right. But looking ahead, what do you think we should expect? We've talked about the debt. We've talked about uh, revenue allocation. W- what do you think we will expect in terms of money in our pockets as uh, as Kenyans or as uh, taxpayers? What do you project? So the unfortunate thing is that there is inertia, inertia now. There is inertia. And you don't expect that, that, that inertia is being incentivized by something. We like to call it the system. But really, those are the shortcomings of the constitution because the incentive system has not been examined to identify how... The, the, the political system will drive the country forward. Because it's all about incentives. If you disincentivize me from being a good guy, I will not be a good guy. The incentive system will continue driving us. I mean, we've, we've already, uh, we, we, can see, we can see what direction we are going at. The incentive system is what is partly what is driving us there. Hayek has done a very good book, um, a one-time bestseller uh, called uh, The Road to Safdom. And, and one of the identi- things he identifies is the role of um, politics in, in, in resource allocation. So if politics try, tr- tries to be primary resource allocator, they usually, they'll get it wrong because they, they don't understand. They're not built in like entrepreneurs. They're not looking to... So to essentially moving forward, because there are conversations about amending the constitution. Right. Who should be the, the one to allocate these... Resources. Yes. We should have as much as possible resource allocation in the private sector. And that's... So you're, you're thinking about um, a smaller government, yes, bigger expansion of right. the, the private sector. Right, because resource allocation is really central to all this. We know central for us a lot of uh, the, the private sector <laughs> helps the politicians. Right. Yeah, so, so it's yeah. catch-22. No, I mean, private sector has really, really been demonized, not just in Kenya, globally. But if you think, really think about it, where does employment come from? It can't become from. But you see, many of us. We can't all be employed. These days, where do people want to be employed in? We can't all be employed by government. government. (laughs) Yeah, government only takes a a small percentage of government. So we are. I mean, 
that's the only way to 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 work. You know, the interesting thing is that we have policies. We've written policies at twenty thirty industrialization, the the four point uh, agenda. What do you call it? Uh, uh, big uh, four. The, the the big four are supposed to do this. Right. But then we just have two years until we fulfill the the big four. Twenty thirty is <laughs> big four has even been dropped. Twenty thirty <laughs> is ten years from now. Right. And we are dealing with these challenges. We are getting uh, more, more more taxation. So you're parting short on this. So um, what we needed to put and make sure is that there, there, there we needed stronger guardrails to protect the economy from the government, right? And that's what public finance is all about. Public finance uh, is sort of giving government authority to sort of spend. And it's giving government the tools to collect, uh, to, 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 to pull resources from everywhere else to the government. It should be updated to introduce guardrails to protect society from its government. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, th- that was Johnson um, Derry for, for for the insights on this. I mean, it's quite a complicated, um, quite a complicated uh, subject. Um, thank you for listening. That's it uh, for today. Um, you can reach me for comment uh, on Twitter at OLZ, on Facebook, Ole Laibuta. My email is at, uh, mugambi, mugambi at laibuta.com. Asanteni sana. Uh, we'll hope to get Neri uh, again to unpackage these things from, uh, from, from an economist, financial analyst uh, point of view, which we don't usually get most of the time. Until next time, Asanteni and Kwaheri. <laughs>